Ever wonder what it's like living in a house full of cats? Me either, until I recently found myself with eight permanent cat residents and occasional foster cats. I'm Sabrina Lee, and I'm a self-proclaimed crazy cat lady. I am not a cat expert and offer no advice to others. Anything I share is from my own experiences unless otherwise credited. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. On each episode of Whole Bunch of Cats, I'll be sharing stories about life with so many cats. You can also see adventures with current residents on TikTok and Instagram at Whole Bunch of Cats. Twitter is Whole Bunch of Cat because adding the S made the handle too long. And now, without further ado, let me tell you a cat story. Her Majesty, Miss Scarlet. Sitting on the couch, minding my own business, when suddenly there is a commotion coming from the basement. In the blink of an eye, a tiny furball zooms up the stairs with a long blue and white tail dragging after her. The fabric is only about an inch in diameter, but ten feet long. Upon further investigation, it looks like it belongs to one of the kids' outfits. Maybe a cloth belt or a hair tie. Regardless, Scarlet has decided the fabric needs to be upstairs. Scarlet is nearly eight years old and rarely acts like a kitten. She spends the majority of her time observing or avoiding all the other members of the cat committee. At least she did, until the fabric appeared. This fabric has rejuvenated her. No longer the majestic matriarch, she turns into a playful, ill-mannered kitten, darting around the room at full zoomy speed. As I watched her with the fabric, I realized this is probably the fastest I've ever seen her move, which is also why when I first heard the commotion, she was the last cat I expected to see running upstairs. Our living room and kitchen make a great path for cats to run laps. They jump on the couch, a chair, the kitchen counter, dining room table. Off they go, round and round. Going forward, Scarlet has decided it is her responsibility to include that piece of cloth in everything she does. Scarlet is a tiny tortoiseshell cat who also happens to be a manx. This means she doesn't have a tail. I'm beginning to think her weird fascination with the fabric has to do with tail envy. She spent years watching all the other cats swish their tail, and now, for the first time, she has one as well. At first, I thought she just randomly dragged the fabric upstairs. It took me a while to realize she has a weird, emotional connection to it. For several mornings, I take the piece of fabric to the basement, toss it in Grayson, my oldest's room. I have a feeling it's hers, but since she's at college, I can't give it to her personally. So I just toss it on her bed. Within an hour, that piece of fabric has made its way upstairs again. For a while, I thought maybe one of the other kids was playing a joke on me. So back down it would go. One afternoon, I was in the kitchen when I heard the commotion. As I went around the kitchen to the living room, there's Scarlet, bounding up the stairs with fabric in her mouth.
not five minutes after I'd taken it downstairs. One weekend, Grayson came home from college. When she walked in the living room, she asked, why in the world was her romper tie stairs in the living room? I let her know that Scarlett has this weird attachment to it. Grayson was not having it. She took the tie back to school with her, along with the romper it went. And now, Scarlett has returned to her stuffy, highfalutin self. We also don't have a lot of rules for the cats. Well, we do want them to use the litter box, but they're allowed pretty much anywhere on anything. The cats are allowed to be on anything. It's funny that the favorite cat bed is a box with the top cut off and a blanket put in the bottom of it. It's a plain brown box on the outside, but the inside with that blanket is perfect. The sides are just tall enough so they can squash their bodies up against them, but not much taller than that. This box is used by most of the cats at different times of the day. Not Scarlet. She's above the community cat box. Scarlet prefers her own things, like the fabric that's no longer available. The one place in the house that is hers and the other cats aren't allowed to sit in is my chair. Although Skylar, the 18-year-old, loves the chair too, it's an old blue fabric-covered rocking chair with an ottoman. Scarlet will sit on my lap while I'm in the chair. It's the only time she'll sit on anyone. If Skylar's in the chair, she'll try to sit on Skylar's lap too. If we sit anywhere else, she may sit next to us, but not on us. She absolutely loves the chair. She loves it so much, she'll sit in our lap rather than sit somewhere else. Scarlet also plays the game. Move your feet, lose your seat. (laughs) Remember that game? If you get up from that chair, the chair becomes fair game. And that cat falls asleep quick. Or at least pretends to, so you don't disturb her. Although, depending on mine or Skylar's mood and desire to sit in the most coveted chair in the house, we will make her move. So I'm sitting in the chair. She's on my lap. And I need a drink or need to go to the bathroom. Whatever the reason, I get up for five minutes tops to return and find that cat laying on the chair fast asleep. Now here's something funny about cats. They snore. Loud. At least several of mine do. So she's laying there, snoring away. (laughs) When just five minutes prior, she was wide awake, sitting on my lap. I can either sit somewhere else or wake her up. I decide to move her. Scarlet, wake up. She opens one eye. Just one, mind you. Gives me that side look as if to say, really? You can see I'm asleep in this comfy chair. You wouldn't dare infringe my sleep, would you? She's so stubborn. But so am I. And honestly, I was there first. I pretend to sit on her, but she knows I won't. So now I'm sitting with half my rear end on the chair and the other half hanging off. (laughs) She's still refusing to move. I move back a little. Still doesn't work. Next, I stand up and swivel the chair to move her. Nope. She stays right where she is. So I do the one last thing that's guaranteed to move her. I try to pick her up. Now you might wonder why I didn't do this first. It's because this method can go one of two ways. The way I hope it will go is that she'll jump down away from me. The way it mostly goes is she runs full on into me, claws out and scratching my arms the entire way from the chair to the floor. That girl can leave a person injured.
This is a price I'm willing to pay. I want my chair back. As I bend down to pick her up, she turns toward the arm of the chair and bounds over it. Thankfully, I am not a casualty in our battle for the chair. Once I'm seated, she's forgiven me. She jumps up into my lap for a long nap. We sit like that for about 30 seconds. Let's be honest, she doesn't have the attention span to stay in my lap for too long after I just booted her out of the chair. She knows I won't be getting up for a while, and being cuddly is not her thing. Scarlett and I are a lot alike in that way. Speaking of Scarlet, there's another story I'd like to share that involves her and eventually the other cats. This story is called Cats in the Laundry Room. My laundry room isn't fancy. Actually, it's the opposite of fancy. The gross concrete floor has several foundation cracks. There's room for a washer and a dryer. Storage along the opposite wall. Open shelves lined with laundry products. The room is dank with a hot water heater and an HVAC unit. When you open the door, there's a three-foot round sump pump tank straight ahead. Plastic trash can lid covers the hole, but it's just lying over the top, not very secure. I have fears of one of the cats falling in the tank. Although they could easily get out, it's one of those unfounded fears. To the right of the hole is a wall that's just a piece of makeshift drywall and plywood with water pipes draped over it. The drywall doesn't touch the ground which leaves a tiny hole that leads to a tunnel from the laundry room to the kids' bedroom. There's a bathroom that separates the rooms. It has a bathtub with an overlay, and the tunnel is the gap between the two. Before we had cats, I never noticed the tunnel. When Scarlet first came to live with us, she hated people. Hate may be too strong a word. Perhaps terrified better describes her condition. She'd hide as best she could. One thing to know about Scarlet is, she's a great hider. She's a tiny tortoiseshell manx who's five pounds soaking wet. As you can imagine, she can fit into tiny spaces. She's also super quiet. There have been many days where I've looked everywhere for that cat. Panicked, thinking she got out, then out of nowhere, she'll walk up the stairs to join the family. On this particular day, we'd had Scarlet maybe a month. I went into the laundry room to switch the wash and she quietly snuck in behind me. Usually, I try to close the laundry room door when I go in, but sometimes I forget. I finished my business and left the room, closing the door behind me. A few hours later, I realized I hadn't seen Scarlett. The kids were home, and they hadn't seen her either. When I tell you we searched high and low, I'm not exaggerating. Sometimes, she'd hide on shelves, in drawers, shower, bathtub, you name it. We checked. I wasn't terribly worried because, as I said, she's a great hider. However, before bed, I still hadn't found her. I went into the laundry room, and as I was grabbing the clean laundry out of the dryer, I turned and saw two little eyes staring at me through the pipes in the wall. I ran over to the hole and tried to get her out. Of course, she ran away from me. Then I realized I couldn't reach her. The pipes were holding her hostage, and there was no way to move them without cutting the water line. Poor Scarlet stayed in that tunnel for several days. I'd check on her and give her food and water, but she refused to come out. 
Of course, I thought she was unable to get out. One morning, I had an epiphany. The tunnel, as I said, led to the kids' bedroom, but actually connected to the closet. There were no pipes in that part of the house. I was able to remove a piece of the wall, and Scarlet was free. Did she come running out of the tunnel into my arms? Nope. But that stinker turned right around and exited the tunnel through the laundry room. She could get out all along. Regardless, I do a much better job of keeping her out of that room. The same cannot be said for the other cats. Bamboo, the smaller orange tabby, and Sushi, the Siamese, love to follow us into the laundry room. They sniff around that sump pump tank, but thankfully have yet to fall in. Then they run over to the storage area, sniffing around and burrowing into the Christmas decorations. Unfortunately, half the time, no one notices the cats are in the laundry room, and the door gets shut with them stuck in the room. I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard meowing and thought it was cats disagreeing. Meows continue and get louder. Hmm, someone is stuck somewhere. First, I'll check the garage, since two of the cats can open the garage door from the house, but can't get it reopened to come back inside. Then I check my closet, and eventually I make my way to the laundry room. They're grateful to be let out, but not smart enough to have learned their lesson. Their cries are a pathetic attempt to make me feel bad, but all I can say is, hey, you knew I'd be closing the door when I left. There's an expression that I've heard many times, curiosity killed the cat. And while that may be true, I believe there's a follow-up to that expression. I don't know if there is actually a follow-up to it or if I read it in a book, but the follow-up, the end of that expression is something like satisfaction brought it back, right? Curiosity killed the cat, satisfaction brought it back. My point is, Having eight cats and occasional fosters, I get a lot of questions about the logistics of the cats, dealing with so many cats, things of that nature. So what I want to do is take some time at the end of each podcast to answer any questions that listeners may have. If you have a question, something that you've been wondering about, please email me at wholebunchofcats at gmail.com. You can also reach out through social media, and all links to any social media platforms can be found at www.wholebunchofcats.com. And now, a question from you. One question that people ask me, especially as we get close to a vacation or a holiday that we maybe are going to go out of town, is... What do you do with all the cats? And honestly, as we're getting ready to leave for Thanksgiving, what a perfect time to answer that question. Honestly, it depends on season and the length of time that we'll be gone. Since we've gotten Bamboo and Yoda, the orange tabbies, we haven't gone out of town yet. Thanksgiving will actually be our first time. For this trip, Grayson, Skylar, and I are leaving Wednesday and won't be back until Sunday. Jaden's leaving Wednesday, but we'll be back Friday can check on the cats. Then he's leaving, but we'll be back Saturday evening. The cats will only be unattended for a day. If something happens with this flight, I do have a friend I can reach out to and ask her to check on them. Before we leave, I'll check the weather, but at this time, 
plan is to leave Izzy in Skylar's room. The foster kittens will be gone, sad face. They'll have hit weight and should have surgery scheduled before we go. That will open up my room for the cats to be allowed in. Right now, seven cats are crammed in the living room. I think the extra space will help everyone get along. And besides, it's only for a day. This is also what we do if we're just going on a quick weekend trip. Leave Friday, make sure water and food is filled, and litter boxes clean. Then come home Sunday morning. The weather's going to be nice. We'll leave Izzy and Willow out since we'll be back on Sunday. They do fine outside for a day and two nights. In the past, we've taken longer trips in the summer, and so a question of boarding the cats comes up. This will never happen. First, Scarlet and Willow will not go into a carrier. They are way too skittish. Neither let us pick them up, and trying to transport them would be traumatic for both of them. Second, eight cats are expensive to board. The best option is to keep them here and come up with a different plan. I do have a friend who watched the cats the last time we went on an actual two-week vacation. She came to the house every day to feed them, scoop poop, and play with them. However, we only had five cats then, and while we'll reciprocate when she's out of town, there's a big difference between helping her out with her two cats and my eight. Another time when we went out of town for more than a few days, I hired my neighbor to feed and water the cats. Again, though, I think we only had two or three cats at that time, and it was summer, so Izzy was outside most of the time. The kids have to work over Christmas, so we'll be staying home, and I don't see another family summer vacation for a couple of years. By then, who knows how many cats we'll have, or how many will have moved out with the kids, and what our solution will be for when we're out of town. Since my oldest is away at college, I send her letters every week updating her on all the happenings with the CAT Committee. Dear Grayson, Thanksgiving is quickly approaching. Can't wait for you to be home. The kittens, the foster kittens, are getting so big. They should definitely be back at the shelter for adoption before Thanksgiving. We still need names. Aunt Teresa suggested Scooby, Shaggy, and Velma. There are two boys and one girl. However, they don't actually have to be a trio, since I doubt they'll be adopted together. I do hope they get the very best homes, though. They're so incredibly sweet and fluffy. I tell you, they remind me of the movie Gremlins. They're cute and cuddly like Gizmo, but they can also be terribly ornery like Spike. They go from sound asleep to running and jumping all around. Their zoomies come and go, but when they're having them, look out. Then, out of the blue, they fall over from exhaustion. They still love to cuddle and are mostly sleeping through the night. Oh my word, the outdoor cats have been real stinkers over the last week. Remember how I told you our next door neighbor's cat had kittens with Willow's clone? Well, they are so darn cute. They're also older now, so the neighbors let them outside during the day. They leave food outside for their cats. Well, guess who's decided that food is for them? Several members of the cat committee. Skylar came home from school the other day telling me the bamboo had made himself at home over there. You know, that cat's already a bully, so he's hogging the kitten's food? Birdie apparently has been joining him. Those stinkers. We have plenty of food for them here. I bet the neighbors have wet food. You know, they do anything for wet food. Speaking of Birdie, she's been heading over to the backyard neighbors again. Thankfully, they're cat people. You should have seen the neighbor's face when he was asking me about all the cats who live here, but go visit him. He asked, 
Do you have an orange cat? Yep, that one's mine. How about the ginger tabby? That one's yours, right? Yep, that's Birdie. You know, there's a couple of black cats. Oh, only one of those is mine, plus a gray tabby. Thankfully, Lila, Sushi, and Scarlet don't go outside, and Yoda doesn't venture to his house. We're having drama over this silver food bowl. You know, it used to be the pink bowl, which I got rid of since the cats ignored it, even when full of food. Now, they've moved on to the silver bowl. I guess they don't like the texture of it. Regardless, they meow at me like crazy in the morning to feed them. When I go to the kitchen, three bowls are empty. The silver bowl is still full of food. Oh my god, yesterday the weather changed and Izzy has decided he wants to be inside. I had no idea of the chaos this would cause. First, the foster kittens are in my room, Izzy is in your room, and the rest of the cats are in the living room. It's too cold for them to go outside, so basically they run around screaming at each other until they all drop from exhaustion for a couple of hours to do it all again. It all started two nights ago. Skylar came home from work and brought Izzy in the house. They put him on the kitchen counter, fed him, then went downstairs. What Skylar didn't realize is that you can't leave Izzy alone. The other cats will terrorize him. Sure enough, Bamboo came gunning for Izzy. So Skylar took Izzy to their room, and he's been down there ever since. I guess we can let him out the window when he's ready to go outside, or when it gets warmer. I let Skylar know this. Skylar said no. He's staying with them through the whole winter. <laughs> good luck with that. Anyway, can't wait to see you for Thanksgiving. Make good choices. Love, Mom. I hope you enjoyed getting to know my cats a little bit better. Remember, the things I share are my own experiences, unless credited otherwise. I do not offer advice or guarantee results. I am not a professional. I just happen to have a whole bunch of cats, and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. For continued updates on the cats, please follow their Instagram or TikTok pages at a whole bunch of cats. Or check out the website, wholebunchofcats.com. You can also email me at wholebunchofcats at gmail.com if you have a story you'd like to share. And finally, if you enjoy hearing about the cats, please leave a review for this podcast. Thanks for listening and have a terrific day.